0: It is Friday, and welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna start right off the rip. Obviously, this is running backs to avoid part of our players to avoid series. Duane, you lost a bet, so you might as well just show them what you show lost. Show on my shirt, yeah, why you bet. lost?
1: Or this was a it was a Chargers Chargers Bears thing. I can't get into the specifics now, but my brother-in-law is a big Chargers fan, and now I have to wear this shirt at least once a week for calendar year so here we are
0: uh, uh, here we this go. is
1: for you my canadian brother-in-law yeah
0: there you go i mean it might be good luck too if you were in the season you might want some i don't know some fantasy weeks or something i probably not it's uh, chafes
1: man it's wildly uncomfortable
0: I bet, my poor yeah. nipples are just torn to shreds in this fucking shirt I. fair enough no. fair enough all righty let's hit the intro and get started yes are you ready jerry i'm ready wow. just want to make sure you're ready brother. Show me the money. Yo, show me the money. All righty. So I think I started last week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take the reins here. We each have two players, running backs that you should avoid. Um, we don't really set like half PPR or PPR standards. So maybe. You, you want to do PPR or half PPR? I just assume PPR whenever That's I'm best. doing this stuff. It's, it's, I think it's the most prevalent
1: played scoring format out there right now, so we might as well just play to the play to the crowd.
0: Sounds good. Roll Plus, up. when I say
1: full PPR, it's going to help my case for both of my running backs. Yeah. So, if yeah. I'm half PPR that would hurt me a little bit. Um, yeah. So, so I'm going to jump off of that. What we're saying. Yep. All right, we'll get started here. My first running back to avoid—it's got to be Josh Jacobs. Las Vegas Raiders. So, like last week, I'm going to just kind of give you his ADPs, tell you why those are way too high. Again, the same disclaimer. I'm going to say it every time we're on the air here. We like these players. Um, every player is draftable at some point. The price tag that you're paying for these guys right now doesn't make sense for what you're likely to get in return for them. Josh Jacobs is a good example of that. He's going to um, either the running back 10 or the running back 9, depending on which of the three ADPs we put in here. That's Fantasy Mojo. That's at that high dollar. Uh, league uh, fantasy calculator, which is pretty pretty common in the fantasy pros, um, they pick ADPs from all over. So he's either the nine or ten, depending on where you look at in PPR formats. And again, that makes a big difference here. Um, so my 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 first reason just says uh, not all volume is created equal. Last last season in 2019, Josh Jacobs had uh, 16 PPR, or he was the 16th running back, sorry, in PPR points per game. I know we missed three games in there. So if you look at PPR game, points per game, um, finished 16th. And that was not due to a lack of rushing volume. Not going to be the problem again this year. In 2019, um, he had the third most rushing attempts per game in the league with 18.6. Fifth most red zone rushing attempts per game with 3.2. And the third most rushing yards per game at 88.5 yards per game. This guy is an absolute stud. On the ground. If he had 15 games instead of 13 last year, and I say 15, not 16, sort of to your point, um, the average games finished for all the top 24 running backs last year was 15.04 or whatever it was. So we gave him 15 games instead of 13. He would have finished as a running back 14 in 2009, despite being top three or five in all those volume metrics. Um, the problem is that he was the running back 46 in targets in 2019. And he was the running back 47 in catches in 2019. Uh, it, the fact is doing it on the ground just doesn't get it done for you in a PPR format in fantasy football anymore. That's just not the landscape of the league. And, and I want to remind the get people listening here. He was the 46 in targets when the Raiders number one wide receiver Hunter fucking Renfro only had 13.6% of the team's target share. There were no receivers on this team to catch the ball. The running brat group between uh, Washington, Jalen Richard, and uh, Jacobs here accounted for 21% of the volume share just because there were no receivers. And 30.8% of the volume share went to the group of tight ends there. So it, add to the team this year, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, even Nelson Aguilar. Add to the team this year, Jason Witten, to beef up that tight end core. Add to the team, Lynn Bowden, who if you don't think he's going to catch some passes this year, then you, you haven't been paying attention to football in a while. Lots of targets. There's a reason they went and drafted two wide receivers really high. There's a reason they were the first team to take a wide receiver because 13.6 target share for your leading receiver is not good enough. It's not what they want to do. So as the ball gets spread out to more receivers, more tight ends, and another new running back coming in, I know they lost Washington, but Lynn Bowden is going to make up that target share. Expect less targets to go to Josh Jacobs. The bottom line is, the team doesn't want him catching the ball. They don't want they don't want their quarterback throwing the ball to him. So, um, I want to be really clear about this real fast. Okay, so after I did my projections, I'm I want to say that I believe Josh Jacobs will absolutely challenge for the rushing title this year. Um, I think he's going to be in the top three in rushing yards this year. I've got him for eight rushing touchdowns, which is a nice number. I mean, it's not 18, it's not 15 like Derrick Henry or 16 like Henry last season. But um, I, I have him producing on the ground. It's just not good enough. Over the last five years, uh, only only two times did a running back with less than 25 catches finish in the top 12 for fantasy purposes and PPR scoring. That happened only twice in the last five years. That was Derrick Henry last year. He had 18 receptions, and it was LeGarrette Blunt in 2016 when he only had seven receptions. The reason they finished so high is that Henry had 16 rushing touchdowns. LeGarrette Blunt had 18 rushing touchdowns. That's uh, 15th and 31st best of all time in in the history of recorded statistics in football. So if you are watching this and you're thinking to yourself, I believe Josh Jacobs is going to have 15-plus rushing touchdowns this year, then fine draft him at the nine or 10 because that's the only way he's finishing inside the top 12. He doesn't have the receiving volume to make it happen otherwise. My stat line for him, I'll just give you the whole thing. I have him at 1,325 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, the one fumble, but I've only, I only gave him 22 receptions, 169 receiving yards and nothing in the end zone through the air. So that's just not enough for, for that kind of finish. I think I have him around my 18 um, in my PPR projections, but I'm not taking him at 10 or nine.
0: Yeah, I think the the whole you made the case that if you think he's going to score fifteen, go ahead and take him. Um, I think if you're relying on that touchdown swing to evaluate a player, more often than not, taking the other player or just fading him is probably going to win you your fantasy league, or uh, not win your league, but it's going to have a better output than relying on that. Um, and well, another guy, probably a couple other guys here actually that are kind of falling into that category as well. But yeah, I think really what it comes down to is. There, the way I started to look at this is he was so good last year, and all they did was brought in target competition, a lot yes. of target competition. To me, that doesn't add up. That's, it's showing that they value him as a long-term running back. They value him as their, uh, I don't even know how many rushing attempts you gave him, or I would say probably 200 rushing attempts plus a year like for like the next six to seven years. Basically, Marshawn Lynch's career is kind of what I envisioned for – Josh Jacobs, just the kind of the slow and steady five plus yards per carry, five plus yards per carry. He's going to be out there. He's good at pass blocking. He can catch the ball, but doesn't need to, and they definitely made that obvious. So yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming Eckler's going behind him. I would probably take a shot on Kenyon Drake. Uh Sanders by no means is going behind him anymore. Uh Nick Chubb, which I know you, he's your next guy. We can just, I mean, we're not going to go into it yet, but I mean I'd probably rather take him over Jacobs. Um, trying to think who's even around that ADP. That's probably about it. I think they all offer. I mean, if you're looking at a PPR format, like I've got
1: Devin Singletary above Josh Jacobs finishing just because of the, the past catching work, I think Singletary's going, I think he's one spot higher, but like even that kind of guy, who you can get three rounds later than a Jacobs. Like I would rather have somebody who I know is going to catch the ball in a PPR format. I'll say this in a standard format league, Josh Jacobs is my number 11. Obviously the pass catching work doesn't hurt him nearly as much, but, uh, yeah, and a PPR, like there's other guys. Take a guy that can catch the ball. It gives it diversifies you the way that your guy can score points. Let's let's take that.
0: For sure. All right, and my guy, my first guy is Raheem Mostert. Um, I kind of was not on him, but I was like, yeah, he's probably a good pick at the start of the offseason. And he is far from that now. Currently going as the RB twenty three in high stakes leagues and on uh fantasy pros ADP RB twenty six. So he's being drafted to be an RB two, I think round four to five turn which if you're, trying, if you're relying on taking a running back then, you probably should have taken one earlier is kind of the way I'm feeling the draft strategy going this year. But really what it comes down to is he is far from the starter, far from the workforce on this team. For as good of a year as he had last year, he started zero games, including the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He started zero games after he ran all over the Packers. He didn't even start in the Super Bowl. He didn't even start after he ran over the Saints in that, whatever, 46-something to something, uh, shootout that went to overtime. He just was not the starter, and they made that clear. Then um, that kind of like goes along the same lines of Jacobs is people say, well, he might be the starter. Well, he would have been the starter last year for how good he was playing compared to the other running backs on the team sometime in the middle of the season or sometime at the end of the season, no matter when his sort of breakout happened. Um, but then breaking down the whole backfield in general, because I think there's a lot of value to be had elsewhere here. If you took every single week and counted the winner in terms of the most fantasy points out of the four running backs, Breda Wilson, Mostert, and Coleman in the backfield. Coleman and, Bre- and Mostert were tied. So you're going to take a guy that is going as the RB23 to only be leading his backfield, which you shouldn't even have that problem taking this guy to RB23 half the time. Whereas Coleman's going 20 RB slots later, 60 picks later currently as of right now. Red zone attempts. I'm going to put this one on the screen. It's a little chart. Um, I took out Matt Breida because he's not there. Jarek McKinnon's possibly going to slide into his role we don't know so on the chart it's coleman Mustard, and wilson red zone attempts if i asked 100 people i bet you 95 of them would say that Mostert led led the team in red zone attempts i'm sure whatever the case may be that's probably what they would answer he was third out of those three he was behind jeff wilson at red zone attempts so i don't even know how many snaps jeff wilson played it doesn't even matter how many he played he was behind jeff wilson and Inside the 20, Coleman doubled him. So inside the red zone, that's the main one I look at. I mean, I, inside the 5 is nice to look at, but I think inside the 20 is the one that probably sticks the most. He doubled him or almost doubled him. Inside the 10, over doubled him. Inside the 5, over doubled him again. Moster was just so efficient last year that he was first among running backs in yards before contact per attempt, uh, probably due to – The freak tight end blocker they have, the freak fullback blocker they have, and the really good coach and offensive line they had. He was first in yards per attempt, but he was only 32nd in attempts. That goes to show that they just really didn't think he was a workhorse. So, really, what I'm trying to say is that now that his ADP has risen so much, and it's not even like maybe I would take him as the 23rd running back off the board, but not in the fourth round. Back when that was in the fifth, at the end of the fifth, that's probably pushing it the sixth round, that's when it's a good pick because he's a flex guy at most. That's really what he was last year, and you're taking the hit or miss. You really can't play matchup with a guy like this because he was shredding good defenses too and playing really bad against uh, bad defenses. So it's just kind of hard to tell. But really what it comes down to is the rise in total ADP, not just the running back ADP. But I just think that it's it's a trap waiting to happen. Um, and like I said, there's value elsewhere. I think Coleman going as the RB. what I say, 43, uh, pick 103. So that's like round eight or nine. To be the starting running back on this team is good value. I think McKinnon's going to be good value. Uh, Wilson, I I guess if you're in a deeper league, but he's not even going drafted in twelve team leagues right now for a good reason. Um, but I think that we're just going to fade Mostert um, really because his ADP is not going to go any lower and it might honestly only go up from here. I yeah, uh, I'm I'm
1: also out on Mostert this year. And the thing I like to I like to goad Mostert truthers with is. I compare him to C.J. Anderson from a couple of years ago, right? C.J. Anderson comes into the the Rams team, you know, with however many five, six games left to go in the season, and he's running for six-plus yards per carry, right? He's running all over everybody. Uh, has something to do with the fact that he was fresh as shit. This is what happened with Mostert. He got his opportunities late in the season. He was fresher than all the defenses he was playing. That has something to do with the level of efficiency um, obviously, the line, the the run scheme on that team is so goddamn good as well. But um, he's another guy like Jacobs, though. He's not going to catch the ball, even if he does get the starting role and maintain the starting role. Um, he's not a pass-catching back. They're not going to use him that way. I really like Jarek McKinnon to catch a lot of passes this year if he stays healthy and stays on the field. Tevin Coleman can catch a lot of passes as well. Mostert's not somebody they're going to use that for. I like that fade quite a lot. Now, if you're running a 0 RB strategy and somehow you can get Mostert as you're running back two in rounds, like you said, five, maybe six, seven. Yeah. Take that shit all day. And, and I've seen in some dynasty startups where he's going really late just mm-hmm. because the rookies are overvalued. Um, and that th- there's value there. Like everybody has value somewhere. You're not wrong about the, the total lack of value though in round four for a guy like Mostert, even on a good sure. r- rushing team. All right. So my next my next dude here. We said his name already, and we've already pretty much given you the reasons why he's a bad choice. I think. Am I glitching right now, real bad? No, I think you're good. Good okay. on my end. Looks to me like I'm glitching. I feel like I'm.
0: No, I feel like I'm an asset
1: right now. Like I can see fucking tracers behind all my movement. It's fine. Um, we don't condone drugs here on the fantasy style, do we? No. Nope. What's, uh, what's the official stance?
0: Um. I don't do them, but I'm not opposed to people doing them. Is that the right answer?
1: Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, okay. I'm about on my podcast We're about to do our 100th episode in a couple of weeks. Totally off topic. Uh, we're kicking around ideas of what we're going to do. One idea that's on the table is um, we just take a bunch of something. We don't know what. Maybe blow some Coke. Maybe take some X or something. Hit some mushrooms yeah. right before the show. And then just spend two hours just saying whatever. We think that might be really entertaining for people. It's one idea, though. We're just floating, <laughs> we're just floating some ideas. Um, let's talk let's about a second back here to avoid it. It's Nick Chubb, Cleveland Browns. I'm going to catch some flack for this in the comments, likely. People have been commenting about my picks um, on our videos recently. Not yours so much, because I'm, I'm taking risks. I'm controversial. You're vanilla as fuck, I think is what they're trying to say. I think so. But yeah, I'm gonna get some flack for this. People fucking love Nick Chubb. They love Nick Chubb going into last season. They fucking love Nick Chubb going into this season. He is a his ADP right now is floating between um, the running back eleven uh, in that fantasy mojo down to fantasy pros. He's as high as the running back eight. So people are recognizing a little. Uh, I mean, last year I think it was five, right? So he's he's falling a little bit as people see that Kareem Hunt is really going to be a threat to him on that team this year. Um, but. Even at running back 11, that's that's too high for me. I think in PPR formats, he's my 22 right now, which is maybe too low, but it is what it is. First of all, Kareem Hunt is a legitimate and real threat to his fantasy numbers for a couple of reasons. Um, you can put this on the screen for the people if you want. We have a really nice uh, game splits for Nick Chubb with and without Kareem Hunt because he was there for half of the season. He was gone for half of the season. So it's an eight-game to eight-game split, and that's always nice when you have an even, um, an even split like that. And look, Nick Chubb's target number was cut almost in half with Kareem Hunt in the game. His receptions number was cut in half, more than cut in half with Kareem Hunt in the game. He had seven PPR points less per game with Kareem Hunt on the field. Um, he went from 12 rushing touchdowns uh, a 12 rushing touchdown pace, I should say, to a four rushing touchdown pace with Kareem Hunt on the field. Not saying Kareem Hunt accounted for all of that, but uh, it made a difference. 15 less rushing yards per game, which isn't a huge number, but there's a problem here. And the problem is, is as clear as day when you look at these numbers side by side. When Kareem Hunt's in the game, he is too good for play callers to ignore. I know Nick Chubb is a fucking stud with the ball, but newsflash, Kareem Hunt is also a fucking stud with the ball, right? Rushing leader in his rookie season. Let's not forget who Kareem Hunt is. He's got a, he's he's, he's a hell of a punter too. If you've seen the video, for sure. Um, so not only did Kareem Hunt clearly take over the receiving work from Nick Chubb, took at least half of Nick Chubb's receiving and target work. Uh, but you know, if you if you've got a set of eyes, if you've got a brain in your head, uh, you can see that. Nick Chubb doesn't belong on the field near the goal line either. That has to be Kareem Hunt's job this season. I know that when Kareem Hunt came in last year, he did not necessarily take over that role. Even late in the season, Chubb was getting the ball in close. But I got—I have to imagine that Stefanski can read the numbers that I'm about to give to you and figure this shit out for himself. They say he's a smart coach. They say he's a good offensive mind. Um, this is going to be the thing that tells for me. But Nick Chubb is – He's fucking awful near the goal line. Um, if, if I have a very long track record of of stating these statistics over and over because I want people to fucking hear them. Uh, so here we go. Let's run them down. Negative point nine three yards per attempt inside the five yard line for Nick Chubb. The league average is point eight eight. I know there's a lot, not a lot of yards to go, but he's negative, almost nearly a yard. 15 carries for negative 14 yards inside the five yard line league average is just under a yard there were nine players that carried the ball inside the five that were worse than him in yards per carry there were 122 players that were better than him in yards per carry inside the five that's not good He had a 13% success rate on carries inside the five. What that means is he scored a touchdown on 13% of his carries inside the five. The league average is 48%. There was one back in the league that had more than three such carries that had a worse success rate than him. That was Frank Gore, and he didn't score any with six touches. Um, There were 29 players in the league that had a worse success rate inside the five than Nick Chubb, and 102 players in the league that had a better success rate with Nick Chubb. The only way you could have a worse success rate than Nick Chubb from inside the five-yard line is if you didn't score any touchdowns. No backs that scored any touchdowns had a worse success rate than Nick Chubb did inside the five-yard line. He cannot run at the goal line. Kareem Hunt, 100% success rate. It was one for one. It is what it is, but he's better at it, okay? Now, um, another reason that I want to bring up here is my rebuttal to the Kevin Stefanski argument. Um, I have heard from people, hey, even if Kareem Hunt's coming in here, Kevin Stefanski runs the ball a lot more than um, Hitchens or Kitchens or whatever douche dick name was uh, that coached in Cleveland last season. Um, I have a rebuttal for that. Uh, Basically, the rebuttal is this. In the first half of the season last year when Stefanski was the OC in Minnesota – Minnesota averaged 32.125 rushes per game. That was a pace for 514 rushes. Would have been second in the league, only behind Baltimore. But in the second half of that season, uh, second eight games, they averaged 25.625 rushes per game. That's a pace for 410 rushing attempts on this season. 14th in the league, right about middle. Cleveland had 393 last year. So his second half of the season pace – The second half of his first full year as an offensive coordinator, he did not rush it, run the ball a ton more than Cleveland did. He ran it a little more than Cleveland did. He ran it about the average in the league. Um, I think he got lambasted in the fucking media after that one game where Kirk Cousins threw eight passes or whatever it Mm -hmm. was, and he learned – this is what good coaches do. They learn and they adapt. If you, if you look at the whole season's numbers, it looks like Kevin Stefanski loves to fucking run the ball. But That's one of those stat rat issues that you and I have talked about in the past. That doesn't tell the whole story. You have to look at what he's done lately. And in the second half, he ran it a lot less. I think I gave the Cleveland Browns 429 attempts in my projection. So up from where they were last year, even up from Stefanski's second half of the season average, But uh, they're not going to run it 500 times, right? So Chubb's not going to get this crazy amount of rushing opportunity that everybody thinks uh, just because Stefanski is a run first, second, and third kind of coach. That's just not the truth. Uh, To be clear here, I do want to say that I think Chubb is going to be near the top of the list in a lot of categories in rushing efficiency. He's going to have one of the best yards per carry in the league because that's what he does. He is an explosive fucking back. I think he's going to be top 12 in rushing attempts, Um, even with Stefanski running it less than he did to begin last season. He's still going to be right there. I think I have about about 248, uh, 250, something like that carries. But as I said with Josh Jacobs, rushing prowess on the ground is not enough in PPR fantasy football anymore. Not in today's game. I could give you the same stat I did a minute ago about only two backs having less than 25 catches finishing in the top 12. Uh, Well, look, Chubb, Chubb is – I think he aver- – his his pace was, what, was it, 20? When uh, when Kareem Hunt was in the game, his average – his pace was eight. No, nope. where was it? Hang on. 22, right? So he was on a 22 came pace mm-hmm. with Kareem Hunt in the game. I don't think he has 25 catches. I think I gave him 20. Um, Nick Chubb stands as uh, maybe a slightly better chance of having 25 catches sorry, our receptions than Josh Jacobs does this season, but not a whole lot. I think he has a slightly better chance of having double digit rushing touchdowns as, uh, as Josh Jacobs does, just because he can score from afar, but unless he's going 15 or more, again, don't draft him. My stat line for this guy, 1264 rushing yards. Again, a big number, seven rushing touchdowns, two fumbles, 24 catches and 182 receiving yards, zero touchdowns through the air. So, those numbers would have been 18th in the league last season. I've got him at 22 right now. I don't want anything to do with him at 8 or 11 where he's going in ADP.
0: The, this one's tough for me because so if you go back up to the splits, um, I'll toss them on the screen too. I forgot to mention it when you were talking, the, say we just take the splits that he had with Cream Hut. That would have placed him at RB16 in PPR last year with the really crappy uh, touchdown uh, numbers touchdown per carry inside the red zone numbers but if you would have given him um the the other side the out of split he would have been the rb2 100 points behind cmc but relatively most seasons he would have been the rb1 to me i think when people are looking at this it's more so they're thinking that the out of split was actually sustainable for a whole season regularly maybe one season yes I think that maybe around 16 to 17 would have been reasonable 15 without Kareem Hunt. He was just breaking off so many runs, which he definitely can't do. So I think even if you gave him the 13 points per game, he has to get more red zone. He has to get more touchdowns in the red zone because he was terrible, but Kareem Hunt had less than one red zone opportunity per game, despite Nick Chubb being that bad. I know that Kitchens is there. Stefanski will hopefully reflect it but it was like 56 to eight red zone touches for Chubb to hunt. So even if that averages out, even if it splits in half, 28 red zone touches for Nick Chubb, you would think with the improved offensive line would get him – I would think – I don't know. My guess would be – I'm going to say eight touchdowns within there, maybe seven touchdowns within there, and then he's going to break off some big ones. So I think that he's still a decent value, like a late RB1. Um, I just think that people are putting – the out of splits with Kareem Hunt, like as like this is what he can do every single game without another guy on the field. Because you got to think about it, too. They were kind of rolling at the beginning of the season. Um, they – I don't I don't know what the record was, but they weren't falling apart. The team was semi-put together. And I think they're going to have a little bit of growing pains to start. Um, you said you had them projected for – 12-64 rushing yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, 429 rushing attempts. So, I, I'm doing my projections on a 16-game season uh, just because that's a fantasy season projection. I have them for 456 at a 49% run rate just because I think that this team is still going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be that great of a team. Their passing schedule is easy, which to me is going to open up more rushing attempts because this team needs all the help they can passing, and they're going to do what's working, which will be the rushing game. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I think – There's definitely room to be concerned. I just think that the splits without Hunt are, like, they're just being – people are placing that as, like, the normal, which makes the other side look bad. When in reality, if he was the RB16 last year, obviously that's not good. But he was, like, three points away from the RB13 in that case or 14. So, like, in reality, RB14 or RB16 with the literally the worst red zone inside the five – Rushing attempts I've ever seen in my life. Awesome. Like f- f- fifteen and he had what? Two touchdowns and negative yards. How do you even get negative four? it means you're going backwards on almost every single rushing attempt, and you scored twice. So you had to go backwards like three, four yards a couple of times. So yeah, exactly. I think this is what I this hope, is what's yeah. happening.
1: This is what's happening, okay? People see a guy like Nick, and this is a problem. This is one of these emotional problems that the whiz yells at me about all the time on my podcast, but People see a guy like Nick Chubb and they say, oh, my God, he's he's so good with the ball. He's so fun to watch, so explosive, can score on just about any play. And they put themselves in a coaching position in the NFL and they say, look, if I'm the coach, he's getting all the work. He's the workhorse back. Yeah. So I'm going to project him as the workhorse back, rank him as if he's a workhorse back. And they ignore the fact that that's not what happens eight times out of 12 in the NFL, like in the Mm -hmm. NFL coaches don't like to use this happened. I know Aaron Jones had a big year last year, but you remember two seasons ago or was it three seasons ago, Aaron Jones looked so much better than Jamal Williams that people week in and week out were screaming at the fucking TV uh, about, uh, about why isn't Aaron Jones getting all the work? Because that's, that's not what coaches want to do, but fantasy owners see a guy like Chubb and see what he can do. And they, and they project, him as if he's the only guy. They put on yeah. their coaching hat, and they're not fucking NFL coaches. They have no idea how to do it, uh, and and they rank him as if he's the only dude. Um, it's it's not smart, and and they and it, it's it, it's easy to forget because even when Kareem Hunt came back last year, he was limited work, right? We saw you, you said it yourself. He didn't get a ton of work in the red zone, didn't get a lot of carries in general in a lot of his games, but. Kareem Hunt is a fucking explosive back, too. And I think what's going to happen early on in this season is people are going to see Kareem Hunt doing a lot of what Nick Chubb is doing. Uh, and, and it's going to be buy Kareem Hunt and sell Nick Chubb real quickly. I think the trade market's is going to reflect that when people see that. Because they got to see it with their eyes. They didn't see it with Kareem Hunt last year. They've seen Chubb enough that they just want him to be the guy. That's what's it's happening. And sure. they're wrong.
0: And the only guy you can we actually do that Chubb. with...
1: If you love Chubb, wait till week three or four when Kareem Hunt's had a couple of big games, at least as big as Chubb, and they're splitting work um, evenly, then trade for him because you'll get him at
0: a discount. For sure. And I think the only guy that you can do that with is Derrick Henry because not because he doesn't have a backup running back that I think is good. It's because they could care less to have him long long term. And you look at a guy like Nick Chubb, they obviously care to have him long term. if They keep bringing a guy to, to catch some passes to take off some work. So yeah, I think it's definitely a cautionary pick. I wouldn't be smashing um, per se if I miss out on the running backs I want, but I think on the turn, I think if you pair him with another safer guy, like an Austin Eckler or go Julio or something, I definitely think it's still a good stack. Uh, but yeah, I do see the concern. I just think people might be overvaluing it a little bit uh, in comparison to he's what a, my. He's a good material. two.
1: He's a good two. Mm-hmm. I would love him as a two. You just can't draft him as a two. That's the problem.
0: For sure, my last guy uh, is Todd Gurley, and I will preface this as we could come back um, in two weeks when the draft guy drops and we'll see how my projections play out. So I'm kind of I'm like at he's a going be, I bet you label him as a steal when the draft don't. I, I don't know yet because, okay, <laughs> so Fantasy Mojo RB16, Fantasy Pros RB16. So I don't think he's going to move up. I don't think he's going to move down because it's going to be hard to move him up over the guys that are ahead of him. Maybe Fournette might be the only guy they might swap, but the other guys are pretty like set in stone. If you asked anyone, they would take him over Todd Gurley, most likely. Even even basic players would definitely do the same. And I think the guys behind them are like, there's definitely a reason he's right here. And that to me is my projections will show because I don't I can't I haven't found a way out to do sort of injury besides just guessing how many games they're gonna miss. I wanna get like an actual like numbers based approach to missing games, not it's just so like, hard. I've tried for years. So I might just randomly throw in like, I don't know, three games missed. But I, I wanna I wanna figure out a way uh, to do that somehow. So basically what it comes down to is Dirt Cutter does not produce fantasy running backs in PPRs. Average fantasy finish is RB21. But the last four seasons has been RB39.25 or RB39. So it's just not been the greatest. They've also not really had any running backs to work with, the up and down of Freeman's injury, Brian Hill, Quadri Allison. But it's not like Todd Gurley's not also injured. Uh, the Rams just took a huge cap hit and then wasted their early pick to draft his replacement and still hold that cap it because they just didn't want to be associated with his knee problems. So that being said, the knee problems are still there. Dirt Cutter and the coaching staff literally said, we don't know how his knee is after they signed him. They signed him to a deal that does not lock up anything long-term. He has to earn all his money, obviously besides like the two mil, but that's nothing compared to salary cap. He has to earn all his money, so he's going to have to play for it. That could also be a good thing, that he's going to be playing for his money, that he'll stay healthy, he's going to work hard, but I can't, I can't quantify that in fantasy rankings. The Falcons this year have the toughest strength to schedule based on 2020 win totals. That identifies negative game scripts. That doesn't play necessarily to Todd Gurley's, you could say, game. I would say probably doesn't necessarily play to the Falcons running back game because Matt when Matt Ryan is playing, uh, his RB1 averages 40 targets a season, which that would have ranked him as 35th among uh, the 35th highest running back in targets last year, which is not good. You don't want a running back. I mean, like you do, but you don't, um, especially if you use your RB16. It kind of falls into that Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb sort of category of not really elite target share. Um, but the part of where I said my projections might reflect elsewhere is I have them projected for a lot a lot of pass attempts. Um, currently, I have them projected for 1,042 plays in 16 – or 15 games. And – the I guess I don't have it broken down a ton, but basically 1,042 plays, 677 passing attempts. And he's throwing to Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, kind of Russell Gage, kind of Hayden Hurst, and kind of Todd Gurley. So something has to come up out of those three um, utility extra players, you could say. So I definitely could see a realm where he secures a nice market share. But that being said, he's still injured. It's still concerning. And the Falcons also had the lowest run rate last year, Third cutter specialty Just throws the ball the fourth highest pass rate win winning. And you'd be like, well, they're not going to be winning very many games. You said they had the toughest strength schedule. Well, they had the third highest pass rate when they're trailing as well. So it they're just going to try and chuck the ball. Their defense still sucks. They're going to be trailing a lot. So I think I'm just more so fading the uncertainty of the injury. The, can the Will the Falcons even use him the way the Rams did two years ago? Um, because it's very unlikely and RB 16, I think he's in round three ADP. I would much rather just go tied under receiver in this round and prioritize running backs the first two rounds.
1: So I'm, I kind of, I disagree. I like Ty Gurley a lot. Obviously the injury thing when, when you're, I mean, when you're ranking guys, it's hard to, it, like you said, it's hard to predict injuries. Who knows what's going to happen. I did take a lot away from him. I, I, he's under 900 yards rushing, just barely over 200 carries because I think they're going to sh- share the load there and try to, um, ease ease his uh, knee issues as much as they can, but I gave him 53 catches uh, because, like you said, they pass the ball quite a lot. The big thing for me though was touchdowns. I mean, if you look at even like Devonta Freeman last year, Devonta Freeman was a, a studded They used him a ton in the red zone last season. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. I think not, nine on the ground is what I gave him, which sounds a little high, and that might come down before all is said and done. But I also gave him a few in the air, so to me, it's the touchdowns. I probably do it just because we know this team scores, right? I mean, I want a guy on a team that I know is going to score a lot of points that said, he's my running back 20 in a PPR. So like, I'm not taking him. Where did you say he was going? 16, 17. 16, yeah. Yeah. I'm not taking him. I'm not taking him there, but he is a, he is one of my targets later on. If he can fall a little bit, especially in these, these dynasty startups where people devalue age by so much.
0: For sure. So that being said, um, where of as of, I guess, whatever today, for, we're recording this on Monday, but where of, where of this week are you finding yourself in mock drafts um, with running backs? Have you been targeting one, two just to get it over with and then be going, I don't know, round six, seven, eight, because there's some value down there. But what has your strategy been so far this year? My strategy lifetime has been in, in
1: the first three rounds, I want two backs and a receiver. I don't care where they go. Um, you know, it it depends on who falls, where I'm, where I'm at, right. If I'm in the top half, obviously I'm taking a back early. If I'm in the back half, I like to look wide receiver early because I want just the best player I can get at the position, but I want to, I want, I always want to have two backs early, um, in those first, first two rounds. Then I won't touch it again until I get down to round six or seven. So like, I'm looking at guys in six and seven that I can snag like a single Terry or something that might end up being a stud starter anyway, but yeah, I like I like two guys early. Give me two guys in the top three rounds.
0: Yeah, I think 95% of the time I go running back in round one. I might reach on – I mean, you have your – I would say you have your top four locked in. Uh, they're not making a pass. Pick five more often than not. Michael Thomas might be thrown in there. And then after that, it's really Cook, Mixon, Henry, Eckler, Drake, Sanders, Chubb, Jacobs. I'm more often than not just going to take them because I don't want to get sniped and have to take Leonard Fournette or Todd Gurley is kind of the way I've been flowing with it this year. And there's so much value. I mean, you probably hear this on every other podcast you listen to or video you watch, so much receiver value. Um, But that being said, I think if the ADP start getting out of hand, I think zero running back could definitely be an approach. Um, We'll see come August – I mean, I don't know, because if, like, Michael Thomas starts slipping to the end and you start with the Michael Thomas-Julio stack, Michael Thomas-Tyreek stack, and then you somehow land Kittle in round three. Like, I mean, we'll see kind of how it flows. But the way the ADPs are uh, shaken up, it's not, it's not the greatest in terms of – you. basically what I'm saying is you want a top four pick or you kind of just want to be towards the end of the draft to make sure you get Julio and, or Adams or Drake or someone. But it's definitely getting out of hand, I would say.
1: I I have, you know, I always try to do this, like I'll I'll snag two of these top end receivers in my mock drafts. I try it all the time, but inevitably, every single time, by the time I'm finished with my draft, I'm disappointed with my team. So it's so hard for me not to snag two backs in those top three. Mm. I want to take back what I said a minute ago. I had my my spreadsheet uh, sorted wrong. Todd Gurley is not my number 20 PPR running back. He's my number 10. Oof. PPR running back right now. I'm probably going to take a touchdown or two away before this is all said and done, drop him down. He feels more like he's a 14 kind of guy. But right now he's my 10. So I'm, I am I am am in direct opposition to your statements earlier. I take them personally. And I'm drafting sure. Todd Gurley wherever I can.
0: I don't know. Well, like I said, we'll see Uh, come draft guide launch where our projections have him. But projections aren't always rankings. Uh, two completely different things. So we'll see kind of how it flows. Uh, draft guide, July 13th, uh, link down below. We probably should have prefaced at the beginning to go order. It's just a Google form. Uh, we're not rich enough to have the pretty cool credit card, debit card thing on the website. No, that's not how you say that. Here's how you say that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. We could, we
1: could fucking integrate really fancy tools that make it so that, you know, we don't have to manage it all. It looks all super professional, but we're trying to save you money because if we pay for it, you pay for it. So we're not paying for it. To make our draft guide, the cheapest fucking draft guide out there, the best goddamn value you can find for your money. It doesn't get, it doesn't get, that's how you say that shit.
0: It doesn't get better. It's it's pretty cheap. I will, I will say that for sure. So down below. Oh yeah, sorry,
1: sorry. Before you go, let me, can I plug, can I plug something? Yeah, go for it. I want to, I just want to plug my podcast here. I don't ever say the name of my podcast on your show. A lot of respect for you. Your Football Fantasy is my podcast. On uh, Sunday, July 12th, we will be releasing our 100th episode. I know I said it a minute ago, but it's going to be fucking amazing. I want you all to go check it out. Your Football Fantasy, you can find it anywhere, podcasts. All right? It's going to be good. I th- Lucas, I think you're going to have a role in this 100th episode. I haven't told you to talk to you about it yet, but I think it's going to happen. Um, we'll, okay. we'll catch up after the show. I, I want people to go listen. To my 100th episode okay somebody might Sounds somebody good. might die we did kick around the idea of maybe bringing a wife or two and like doing a little weird sex party thing on air but we'll see i don't know if she's into that
0: all right you heard it here guys your football fantasy um yeah i sex series, show live, live sex show do Shut, it up shot for the people you got one uh sure you
1: bitch Oh, I love you all. Tell me how wrong I am about Nick Chubb in the comments below.
0: Subscribe,
1: like, hit the bell. Let's go.